This podcast is on the entrepreneurial mindset, and one of the core foundations of this mindset is redefining failure. This means we have to understand that true failure is not trying in the first place. And armed with this definition of failure, we are ready to embrace the mindset of an entrepreneur, which means embracing uncertainty and asking why not after asking what if. My name is Stephen Carter, and I'm the host of the Entrepreneurial Mindset Podcast. And my mission is to develop the entrepreneurial mindset in all learners so they are radically transformed to impact their lives. And that that phrase, radically transformed, is so important because that's exactly what this kind of mindset does, is it enables us to radically change, to radically innovate, to radically embrace our lives in a meaningful way. And that also means that we are going to face failure. We're going to face it head on. We're going to be looking right into failure and deciding whether or not we can redefine it. Now, it's really it's really trendy, especially in educational circles, to talk about embracing the learning experience of failure or let's teach people to not fear failure. But at the end of the day, it's the same old story. We're afraid. When we do a cost-benefit analysis, we tend to overload the cost side and assume it's not worth the risk. When we consider our shareholders, our customers, our employees, we often decide to play it safe, to minimize damage. Now, playing it safe can, can be appealing, especially in the area of, say, independent schools. You know, you've got the school board looking at enrollment numbers, making a direct comparison to customer satisfaction in the classroom. It can be enticing to rely on tested methods of the past. I mean, this is the case for businesses around the nation. It can be enticing to avoid failure at all costs. It's enticing to stay comfortable. But here's the thing. Comfort is the enemy of progress. Comfort is the enemy of progress. I want us to consider one of the greatest so-called failures in Greek mythology, the flight of Icarus. Now, I love the story of Icarus. Here's Icarus and his father Daedalus, and they're trapped in the labyrinth. So Daedalus creates these feathered wings that they're going to wear. And he instructs his son, Icarus. He says, whatever you do, don't fly too close to the sun because the heat from the sun is going to melt the wax that's adhering the feathers to your body. Okay, well, this is obviously good advice, right? Don't fly too close to the sun. By the way, this is great metaphorical advice as well. But Icarus, once he is aloft in the air, he is now under the intoxicating influence of flight. He's testing the boundaries. And of course, He flies too close to the sun. The wax melts, the feathers fall off, and Icarus falls to the sea to meet his drowning fate. And so we say, Icarus fell. Icarus disobeyed. Icarus failed. Except here's the thing. We're forgetting one key fact. Icarus flew. Icarus soared above the clouds and touched the very fabric of the heavens. Who among us can say the same? Who can say, oh, I've, I've done that? Who, who among us, probably myself included, would have stayed in the labyrinth for fear of potential failure? 
there's a great poem. I, I'm a former English teacher, and once an English teacher, always an English teacher. And there's a poem by Jack Gilbert called Failing and Flying. And he takes the story of Icarus and compares it to a marriage that's failing. Now, in a failing marriage, people focus on the pain of divorce, but they don't focus on the beauty of the love that preceded it. People love focusing on the fall. They look at the fall, they look at the failure, but they forget about the flight. You know, people look at, look at Icarus and they say, oh, he failed. But they forget that he was reaching for glory. Now, the speaker in this poem states, anything worth doing is worth doing badly. How can they say the marriage failed? Indeed, how can anything be labeled a failure if it merely came at the end of an attempt at greatness? Now, this poem ends with a lovely line. It states, I believe Icarus was not failing as he fell, but just coming to the end of his triumph. Wow. Oh, man, that's good. This sort of thinking requires an inherent redefinition of the word failure. I mean, think about it like this. When we're children, we're instructed through both literal words and also, you know, really powerful actions that failure is bad. We're taught that to fail is to not succeed and that one does not want to fail. Therefore, one wants to ensure success. The best way to ensure success is to not try in the first place. Because if you try and you don't win, then you don't succeed. Now, now this thinking, you see, it's deeply ingrained in us. And over time, it becomes the emotional response that unconsciously accompanies the very mention of the word failure. No matter how many times later in life we're told that failure is, is good and should be celebrated, we often can't get past that, that emotional underpinning that failure is bad. You see, there's actually a logical syllogism at work, and, and, and it's this. Failure is not succeeding, and failure is bad. Therefore, not succeeding is bad. Okay, this is, this is what we, we inherently believe. This is the state of things. We, we can't overcome decades of indoctrination to convince ourselves that failure is actually good. I mean, trust me, okay, I've, I've tried. No one wants to jump up and down in celebration of failure. Oh, yay, failure's great. It, it, it's bad. It's bad, right? We believe it to be bad. Now, there's an easier approach. What if we take the word failure and we redefine it? All right, we can still be afraid of failure. We can still avoid failure. You're like, oh, we don't want failure. But what if it means something different? What if failure means not trying in the first place? Now, listen to this. Failure is not trying in the first place. And failure is bad. Therefore, not trying in the first place is bad. Okay, I'm going to be real here. We are not going to be able to go out and convince an entire population that failure is a good thing or that failure should be embraced. And it's probably overly optimistic to think that we can convince people to even redefine the word. But I believe it's easier to redefine the word than to overhaul an emotional response. You see, the emotional response, oh, failure's bad, failure's bad, that lives in the heart. But the definition lives in the head. And if we can redefine that definition, 
we can actually redefine the way we think about failure. Take Sarah Blakely. Sarah Blakely, I mean, the American businesswoman, philanthropist. She's the founder of Spanx. She's a self-made billionaire. And she has a masterclass on entrepreneurship. Now, I'm going to give you a little, a little tip here. If someone who's a self-made billionaire creates a masterclass, I'm going to argue that it is in our best interest to watch it, to learn from her. And she tells a story about her father who, around the dinner table, would regularly ask the family what they failed in that week. Did you try out for something that didn't quite work? Did you make an attempt that ended in a disaster? Now, if they had nothing to share, he would be visibly upset. What Blakely realized all these years later was that her father had been reconditioning her to think of failure differently. He had been teaching her that true failure is not trying in the first place. In other words, he had been helping her realize that what she should avoid is the regret that comes from missed opportunities. Look, armed with this definition, we can now avoid failure by trying, by attempting We should avoid not trying in the first place. Not trying in the first place is the breeding ground of regret. Take take a statement from journalist Sidney J. Harris. He said this, Regret for the things we did can be tempered by time. It is regret for the things we did not do that is inconsolable. Wow, what a word. I mean, think about your own life. Are the heartstrings of regret pulled more at the things you tried without success or at the things you never tried in the first place? By altering the very definition of failure, we are offering our teachers, our students, our coworkers, our employees the opportunity to live a life free from inconsolable regret. Look, we, we have considerable power at our disposal. We we have unique and noble callings where we are influencing people directly in whatever work that we have. And it is up to us to help influence people by giving them tools they will need to succeed in an ever-changing world. And this involves defining failure differently. This involves saying true failure is not trying in the first place. I'm going to give you a little story to illustrate this. This is from a book written by David Bales and Ted Orland, where they tell the story of an art teacher. Now, this teacher decided to experiment. I would just like to add as a side note that this is there's, there's a power in this. There's a power in asking two questions. What if and why not? Now, this teacher asked those questions. The teacher wondered what would happen if they didn't experiment. So the teacher divided the room in half and assigned the first half to a quantity assessment and the second half to a quality assessment. The quantity side had to turn in 50 ceramic pots, any quality, even a horrible one was acceptable. You just had to make 50 pots. You make 50 pots out of clay, you get an A, done. The quality side only had to turn in one pot but it had to be perfect. Now, at the end of the semester, here's what was shocking. The best pots 
were actually turned in by the quantity group, the group that had to make 50 pots that could just be junk. But it turns out that in working at something over and over, in making attempt after attempt, a refining process happened that yielded a better result. In other words, true failure has nothing to do with success and is rather the refusal, the refusal to say, I am going to try. You're not going to just go out and say, oh, that looks too hard or too difficult or I don't want it to be perfect. No, we're going to try. We're going to make attempt after attempt after attempt. That is the key. The impact of this style of thinking is huge. Redefining failure is a key attribute of, of what I refer to as the entrepreneurial mindset. That's what this entire podcast is about. This is one of the core attributes, whether you are a teacher, whether you are a business owner, whether you are a parent, an individual, if we encourage people to think like entrepreneurs, which means to ask what if, and then to ask why not, we are giving them a path to success. Now, look, it's going to be bumpy. It's going to be misshapen, but it is a path where the learning yields not only rewards, but a life free of inconsolable regret. <laughs>